Happy Thursday, Red Rocks YA. We good? You guys good? I love it. I love it. Welcome to Young Adults. I hope you feel at home here. We, uh, you saw from that video, God's been good to us this year. He's been real. We have so much to thank him for as a ministry. So much to say, thank you, God. You're the best. You're awesome. Because he's just getting started with this ministry. I believe that with all my heart. And while corporately, we have a lot to say thank you for, I believe, man, individually, we do as well. Because I don't know you. I don't know your story. You might have had the toughest year of your entire life. But let me say two things to you. Number one, you're still here and you're still breathing. So that tells me that God is not done with you yet and he still has plans for you you and number two there are good days in your future and I'm just going to be the guy who believes that that's coming in 2018 amen and so since our God is good can we lift up a shout of praise for him right now I love it Woo! there's no limit to shouting praise to the big man upstairs there is no limit for that because here's what I know gratitude opens up your spirit to experience God it really, it, I, it's almost like it's practically a magic trick, I swear. Like the more you say thank you to him, the more that you'll begin to experience God because gratitude escorts you into his presence. And so if he feels far away, just start saying thank you for stuff, right? If he feels distant, just start praising him. He's not far and he's not distant, but gratitude gives you the perspective to see that, amen? He's not a dad who goes on business trips and leaves and then comes back and leaves and then comes back. He is always here. He is always with you. He's with you on Thursday. He's with you on Friday. He's with you at Young Adults in Church. He's with you at the club. He's with you on the mountaintop. He's with you in the valley. He's with you in the summer. And he's with you even in winter. He's everywhere. Because God came near in the form of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesse preached last week when she basically preached the red off of Red Rocks Church. It's just the Rocks Church now. We're trying to change our logo and every, it's just the red's gone. She preached it away, seriously. And tonight, I feel, I feel just burdened in my spirit to, to encourage Anybody in here who might be walking through a tough season in life right now, like you might be in a trial, you might be in a winter, this night is for any person who has a winter in their past, their present, or their future, and you just need to be built up and walk out of here encouraged tonight because we got four weeks without young adults, so I want to give you something to take with you tonight. So receive this, that seasons of life change, but our God does not. He is constant and he is consistent in summer, in spring, in fall, and even in the winter. And so let's do this. We're going to read just one verse from the Bible to start. But can we all stand up for this? Because this is the word of God. And to use Chad's word, I never want to flippantly walk into reading the Bible. It might be just one verse, but this is big. This has the power to change your life if you let it. Let us not forget the fact that this verse, this one verse that we're about to, to read, excuse me, to read, <laughs> I need to burp. I might pull that off sometime silently during the sermon. See if you can spot it. This one verse was breathed out and inspired by the God who created absolutely every, everything. Let us never forget that. Here it is. One simple verse. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, somebody say, so hot. so hot. Love it. When you walk through the fire, 
you will not be burned. So not really so hot. Why? Because he will be with you. They will not set you ablaze. And if we can put that verse into the language of this series that we're in, God is promising you, the creator of everything is promising you, he will be with you in every season of your life. He will go with you even in winter. Even in winter. He's a God of seasons. And sometimes our faith looks like a a sunset in Hawaii with your feet in the sand, sipping on a virgin margarita, singing, how great is our God, right? He is so good. Faith is so awesome in the summer. And then sometimes it looks like a long, cold, and gray winter with a lot of yellow snow and snow and icing for you to slip on. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not immune from seasons, right? I think sometimes we can think uh, that just because God is for us, nothing's going to ever come against us. And while it's true that God is for us and nothing can stand against us, things are going to try to come against you all the time. Seasons are going to try to come against you all the time, the good and the bad and everything in between. And we do not have a God who promises to pull us out of winter, but we do have a God who promises to be with us, right next to us, straight through winter. Straight through winter, reminding you that the longer the winter, the brighter the spring. And the darker the night, the brighter the dawn, to quote Harvey Dent from The Dark Knight. Somebody shout amen for a Batman reference at Young Adults Tonight. Christopher Nolan, you're practically a preacher. We love you. No winter, no spring. No storm, no sweet smell after it rains. No sunset, no sunrise. And I want to make an announcement tonight for the title of this message, and I want you to help me. Somebody say, no winter... No Wonderland. No winter, no wonderland is where we're going tonight. No winter, no wonderland. There is beauty in the battle. Like you might be in a tough season right now. Let me just say this. Every season comes to an end. That's one of the defining characteristics of a season. And in the meantime, there is beauty in the battle. There is a view in the valley. And there is a wonderland in the middle of that winter if you will look for it. As you pass through the fire, as you pass through the river, as you walk through the winter, young adults, he will go with you. And so God, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for my friends and the family that this group of people has become in this room. I pray that you would help this message to be preached. And I also pray that you would help it to be received by every person in here, myself included. God, we love you so much. This is for your glory. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, all right, give away three awkward white guy high fives, and then you can take a seat. All right, that's sufficient time for three high fives. All right, I thought we'd have, in honor of Christmas, a little friendly competition to see which gender knows more about Christmas movies in this place tonight. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to start reading a quote, and as soon as you know the movie, you just yell out the movie, and you get points if you get it right. You also get penalized if you get it wrong. This is just for fun, but truly, we're going to find out who's smarter and who knows better. So are you ready?
It's wrong. Are you ready? All right, here we go. First quote. Look what you did, you little jerk. Oh, that was a guy. That was worth 10 points. That was worth 10 points. 10 points for the guys. Number two, you ready? Look, Daddy, teacher says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Christmas, no. It's a wonderful life. I think I heard a female voice. I'm trying. That was worth 100 also. That question was worth 100. It's 10 to 100. Guys, come on. You're losing by 90. Next one. You sit on a throne of lies. Elf! You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it, right? He's an angry elf. These are all elf. That was you. That was worth 100 also. 110 to 100. Guys are up. Here we go. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. I heard you right there. That was worth 1,000. 1,100 to 110. Females are up. Guys, come on. It's like 900 points. Here we go. This, this might be hard. But what I've got, but I think what I've got is something slightly resembling gumption. Woo! Baby, I recognize your voice. That was my wife. That's also worth a thousand points. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, here we go. Whoever gets this, you're, you're my new best friend. That was the sound of a tool chest falling down the stairs. Home Alone 2. For 3,000 points! Second row for the guys. My, how the tables have turned in this competition. All right, this one I have to sing. <clears throat> I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I heard you. I heard you. That was also 3,000 points. You guys took the lead again. Ladies, this is like whose line is it anyways, where everything's made up and the points don't matter, except they do matter because we're finding out who's smarter right now. Oh, I don't know if I can do this one. Well, I can't read the first line because that'll give it away. Okay. There's one line, and then, it, and then it says this. Inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. The Grinch. The Grinch for 5,000 points to the ladies. I watched that for the first time last night. It's a good movie. At least I watched it. Okay, here we go. Not too hot, extra chocolate. Shaken, not stirred. Ladies, again. All right, I think it's 9,100 for the ladies, 4,110 for the guys. Last question, and this is worth 1 billion points. Are you ready? You serious, Clark? Christmas vacation for the guys. Wow. You serious, Clark? 
You know the line? Clark Griswold, they're at, they're at Christmas Eve dinner, and he says, kids, I heard on the news, Santa's sleigh was spotted over in New York City. And Uncle Eddie looks up, are you serious, Clark? Are you serious? <laughs> Historically, I've hated winter. A lot of you know this. I love, I love Christmas, but historically I've hated winter. But good news, God has been thawing my heart towards winter recently. But historically, I've been like grumpy cat in winter. That's me. I used to be even a good sport about winter. Now I'm not even a good sport. But God is doing a work in my heart. I still hate it, just not as much, okay? And I'm also learning to forgive some of you who actually like winter. I've forgiven you in my heart. Let me clarify. That was just the burp. You didn't know. We're good. We're good now. Let me clarify. I love Christmas dates. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas lights and Christmas carols. I love peaceful, still snowfalls, right, that happen outside when you're... I love family time and being with friends around a fire, roasting chestnuts on that fire, whatever the crap that means. I don't know. While that peaceful snowfall is falling. Like, I love... I love all of that. I'm a fan of Christmas time. But come January 1st, like, I'm done. I'm just done. Like, I'm not about the cold. I'm not about scraping the ice off of my windshield four times a day, right? I'm not about driving around trying not to slide into the car that's right next to me. I'm not about waking up at 6 so I can somehow scrape a 3-inch by 3-inch spot off of my windshield so I can shiver to death while I try to get to work in time. Like, I'm just, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Like this guy, do we have that good thing I put the wipers up? I feel you, bro. I feel you. <laughs> That's awesome. But, there's a but. Some of my fondest memories are set in the winter. All right? One of them, I asked my wife to marry me. December 19th, four years ago, downtown Denver. It was one of those light, peaceful snowfalls. It was a winter wonderland, right? And we were on the top floor of the tallest building in Denver. And you could see every Christmas light in the entire city. Like, how do you say no to that, right? How do you say no? And there was roses and champ and sparkling cider. And it was just, <laughs> to this day, one of the best nights of my entire life in the middle of my least favorite season. All right, so some of the best memories and stories and views that you have in this lifetime, I promise you, they will come in the middle of some of your hardest seasons. Some of your best memories and stories will take place in the middle of the seasons that you dislike the most. Somebody say, no winter, no, winter. no wonderland. No winter, no wonderland. And I have three points for you to take away with you tonight. When we talk about winter seasons of life, the, the stormy seasons of life, the valleys of life, right? I have three mini sermons to teach you that you can take with you to preach to yourself during any winter season that you ever walk through. So for anybody in here who's ever been in a winter, past, present, or future, if, the, if you're in one now, take this with you now. If you're not in one now, take this with you because you will need it. And that's not me speaking a winter season over your life. That's just me backing up what the Bible says, that God is not a God who takes you out of them or keeps you away from winters. He's a God who actually leads you straight through the winters and so three mini sermons here we go number one praise him in the prison or worship him in the winter praise him 
in the prison. I don't know if you've ever thought about the power, the power that you unleash when you praise him in the pain. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm saying that's powerful. You unleash power when you praise God in your pain or in your prison. So we're going to look at the book of Acts chapter 16 for this point, starting in verse 23. This is Paul and Silas who get thrown into jail, beaten, flogged, and thrown into jail. For what, by the way? Not for stealing something, not for a huge crime, but for preaching the gospel, for doing exactly what I'm doing now and just trying to follow God and follow Jesus to the best of their abilities. They end up being flogged and thrown into jail. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully because pastors you know they're the sneakiest in prison guard them carefully when he received these orders he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them all right, so let's, let's just recap. Severely flogged and beaten and then thrown into a cold, wet, disease-infected prison cell, probably with rats scurrying around and dirty water dripping from the ceiling and they couldn't go anywhere because their feet are in shackles and they're chained to their situation. And then at about midnight, Paul and Silas, what do they do? They start singing worship songs to God. They start praising God in their prison. So I'm going to press pause there, and I'm just going to say, if this is me, I'm probably not going to do what Paul and Silas are doing in this moment, right? Like if, I, like, if I end up in that situation, I'm probably not praising. I'm probably a little pissed, shaking my fist at heaven, going, God, like, I wasn't, like, stealing purses from little old ladies or dealing drugs or anything. Like, I was trying to build your kingdom, and now this happened to me. Like, in that moment, Moment, I'm probably feeling entitled to like 10 to 20 good solid F-bombs in that moment. You know what I mean? And I'm probably feeling entitled to throw in a pity party for me and the rest of the prisoners who are in the room at the time. But they don't do that. They sit down and they start singing. God, there's nobody like you, God. Like in prison, right? They're worshiping in the winter. They're praising God in the prison. And do you understand the power that is unleashed when you praise the creator of the universe in the middle of your pain? When you praise him in the middle of your worship, in the middle of your prison, I'm sorry, worshiping him in the middle of winter. Do you understand the power that is unleashed when everything externally is chaos, yet inside you remain bright and focused on God and how good he is despite the fact that your circumstances give you nothing to show for it, right? There's power in that, which is why I promise you, I guarantee you, some of the most powerful worship nights on this entire planet that have echoed up into heaven and reached ears of the great cloud of witnesses have come from hospital rooms, not arenas. There is power in praising him in your pain being thrown into prison, think of it in terms of what you can control and what you can't control. Paul and Silas could not control being thrown into prison, right? You cannot always control your seasons, but you can control your singing. 
Like I hate, like maybe you hate your job right now. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait to get a new job that you like then in order to start singing to God right now, right? Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I hate my coworker or my roommate or my brother or my sister or my boss. Guess what? You can't kill them, so you might as well just start praying for them, right? I hate this season, but I love my God. I hate the winter, but you can bet that I'm going to do my best to find the wonderland in the middle of this winter. You don't need a new season. You need to start seeing your season differently, right? It's called perspective, and worship is the key that unlocks perspective in your life like think about it this way like Paul's feet Paul's feet were in shackles in shackles he couldn't do anything he was chained there but his arms were free and so what he decided to do with his free arms was raise them up to heaven right you might be shackled right now temporarily to the circumstance or situation or season that you're walking through but that means you have an opportunity to raise your free arms to heaven to show the rest of the world that your God is good even when you have nothing to show for it I'll praise him in the prison I'll give thanks to him in my pain I'll worship him in the winter that unleashes power in your life like look what happens verse 25 suddenly after this midnight worship session there was a violent earthquake literally the earth began to quake and the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose so praising God in the prison apparently stirs something up in the realm that you and I can't always see. It shakes the world and loosens chains and sets you free, even if it doesn't change your situation. Worship sets you free from winter, even if you remain in winter. Like that song the band just sang, though the winter is long, even richer the harvest it brings. Though my waiting prolongs even greater is your promise in me. You're not a God of winter after all. You're a God of seasons. In my life right now, I just happen to be right in the middle of winter. But I'm going to praise you in my pain. I'm going to worship in the winter because you're the God of greatness. And that, that includes even when you're a baby in a manger, you're the God of greatness and I will worship you. And if you're not working then God I'm not done waiting I might not have a say over my season but I have a say over my singing I might not have a say over my season but I do have a say over my singing I have the same scenario but a new song I have the same problem but a new perspective on that problem you unleash power when you praise him in your pain. You find the wonderland when you worship him in the middle of winter. Number two, faith in the fog. Faith to follow Jesus even in the fog. Now, fog is beautiful unless it's metaphorical fog that metaphorically is filling the metaphorical valley that you're figuratively trying to walk through in life, right? Then it's not so pretty. In that situation, it's actually a little bit scary. David talks about this in his most famous psalm ever, Psalm, 120, psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And the thing about shepherds, once again, they go with you everywhere. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and refreshes my soul. Everybody say, ah. 
It's like a cold Gatorade after a cardio workout. He forces you on vacation, brings about the spring and the summer. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And then he leads me into the darkest valley. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and that word through right there signifies that there is an end to that valley, by the way, that you can walk out of because you walk through it. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Once again, because God goes with you even in the winter, even in the valley. Have faith in the fog. Dare to follow Jesus even in the dark, to walk it out in the winter, to find the victory in the valley. So Preston, where's Preston Kashara? Will you come up here for a second, buddy? Will you guys give Preston a round of applause? You guys know Preston. He's the man. Everybody's saying it. Okay, Preston. This was... This was actually, scoot back here just a little bit. This was actually um, a demonstration that a pastor did for us, our staff at our last all staff meeting that hit me hard. And I just hope and pray it encourages somebody in this room tonight. But Preston, you and me are just talking now, okay? God is a God of seasons, you know this. And sometimes the season of your life looks like a summer sunset on the beach in Hawaii, sipping on a virgin strawberry daiquiri, with your feet in the sand, looking out at that ocean, taking a pic for your, for your highlight reel Instagram feed, right? Probably with, some, with a caption similar to Jeremiah 29 11. God is so good. Faith is awesome. He's got plans for my future. How can he not look at that ocean, right? But that's true. But you also have a behind the scenes to your Instagram account. So do I. So does everybody in this room. And what happens in the winter when your faith looks a little bit more like, like that? Can you see? Nope. You can't? Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he can't see. He can't see. What happens in the winter? What happens when it's time to follow God in the dark? What, what happens when it's time to follow Jesus straight into the middle of a storm, right? What happens when the valley of the shadow of death that you're about to walk through is filled with fog and you can't see where the heck you're going. What do you do in those moments when God is saying, hey, trust me, trust your God instinct, all right? You might not be able to see the outcome. You might not be able to see what I can see with the perspective that I have, but that's why I'm God and that's why I'm gonna lead you the entire way. And I don't know who I'm preaching to in this room right now, so maybe God is asking you to trust him when you have no idea how, how it's gonna work out when you do whatever it is he's calling you to do. Like maybe you're in a relationship that is ungodly, that you know is unhealthy for you, that is not God's best for you, and you've known it for a few months, maybe even a few years, but you're scared to death of following God in the dark out of that relationship and trusting him with something better, the something better that he has for you. And you're terrified of standing up in the valley and walking out and he's trying to get you to do that so he can give you something better. But you're horrified of following Jesus in the fog, following him in the dark, right? Or maybe money's tight and God's calling you to give and you're like, you're having like a holy crap moment. Like what? I just, God, I don't practically see 
how any of this is going to work out if I give what you're calling me to give. What do you do in these seasons when you can't see the outcome and God is saying, trust me, right? When your faith looks more like midnight than daylight or a black thunderstorm, it looks more like that than a colorful sunset, right? When it looks more like winter than it does a summer. What happens in those seasons of faith? Because here's, here's what God's trying to do, and we'll make the stakes a little bit higher here, Preston. Here's the destination, and sometimes we try to get straight to the destination, but God is saying, no, I'm the one who began the good work in you, and I will be faithful to lead you through every season of life and carry it on to completion. But in the meantime, we got places to go. We got people for me to save through you, right? We've got stories to live. We've got resources to give, and I need you to trust your God instinct even in the winter. So are you afraid of the dark? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I used to be until I saw my Excel energy bill, and now I'm afraid of my lights. <laughs> okay, for this demonstration, I know that I'm no Morgan Freeman, but my voice is going to be the voice of God in your life. Just to clarify, once this demonstration is over, that is no longer applicable. That will be God's voice that is God's voice. You understand? Your faith was designed to function in the dark. Like that? Your faith was designed to function in the dark. It was built for the winter. You have a God instinct. Trust your God instinct. And when I say, follow me, I want you just to walk towards me. Does that sound good? Preston, you're in a, a valley full of fog, a season of winter. You don't, you don't know the outcome. You don't know where you're going. Preston, you have a God instinct. Follow me. Come here. The Bible says that sheep know the sound of their shepherd's voice. Preston, follow me in the dark. Preston, <laughs> Preston, keep following me. Walk it out in the winter. You have a God instinct. Trust your God instinct. Have faith to follow Jesus even in the fog. Though I walk through the valley, I will not fear, for Jesus is with me. All right, Preston. Follow me this way. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on mine. Even in the big decisions, I'm the one who makes your path straight. I'm the one who makes your path straight. Trust me with everything. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you even in the winter. Stop! So prone to wander, my sheep are. Buddy, I know you're passionate, I know you're ambitious and you're driven, but don't get out ahead of me because you can't see what I can see. That's for somebody in here. That was supposed to be a joke, but man, that's for somebody in here. All right, buddy, start following me this way. Trust me, even when the, with the big life decisions, okay, for you specifically, 
to leave that engineering job and to take that internship at Red Rocks Church, Preston. Ask Sophie to marry you, Preston. I'm trying to help you out. You're going to marry way out of your league. I just love you. All right, stop. Take a deep breath. Face me. You hear my voice. You know the shepherd's voice. And even as times get crazier and the world continues to move faster and faster away from the sound of my voice, you move towards it. You move towards it right now. Fight for purity when the world calls it dumb. Give until it hurts. Live the kind of life that demands an explanation from everybody who does not recognize the sound of my voice. Keep following me. Keep follow If you could see what I see, you would never stop. You would never sit down in the middle of the valley. You would just keep walking with all the guts in the world because you truly understand grace. You'd keep walking until you walk out of it stronger than how you walked into it with more God instinct than how you walked into it because your faith Faith, Preston, was built. It was designed to function in the dark. It was built for winter. And I don't know about anybody, everybody in this room, but I'd rather follow Jesus through the darkest valley full of the darkest fog all my life than be on a mountaintop throwing a party all by myself. Because here's what I can tell you about the darkest seasons and the darkest valley. Here's what they have in common. Go ahead and sit down. They all end. They all end. You have God instinct. Trust your God instinct. Have the faith to follow Jesus through the fog. Lean not on your own understanding, but his. To walk it out in the winter. See the view in the valley. Walk it out in the winter. Would you guys get pressed in a round of applause? Thanks, buddy. That was great, man. You are natural. Charles Spurgeon says this. Do we have this quote? To trust in God in the light is nothing. But to trust in him in the dark, that is faith. To trust in him in the dark, that is faith. Never doubt in the winter what God has promised you in the summer. Let me explain it this way. Swimming in the deep end is the exact same thing as swimming in the shallow end. It's just scarier because it's deeper, the stakes are higher. But if you can swim in the shallow end of life, then you can swim in the deep end of life. It's the exact same thing. Trust your ability to swim. Trust your God instinct. Don't forget, once it's wintertime, the promises that God has given you in the summertime. Don't let your surroundings cause you to forget who your God is. If you knew if you know God on the mountaintop, then you know God in the valley because he's a God of seasons, but he's the same God in every single one of those changing seasons. Seasons might change. He doesn't. Do not doubt in the winter what God has promised you in the summer. You know him in the light. That means you know God in the dark too. Trust your God instinct and walk it out in the winter until you walk out of winter. Walk it out in the winter until you walk out of winter. That's number two. Number three, last but not least, and Ben, you may come to the stage at this time. Movement in the mundane. In that time period between when you get saved and when you go home to glory, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Movement in the mundane. There's miracles in the monotonous. 
All right, to bring this Instagram metaphor full circle, most of life is not Instagram posts, right? And I wrote this down because I want to say this right. I love this. Life to the full has a tiny bit to do with the moments that you never forget and a whole lot to do with the everyday, ordinary, monotonous hours and days and seasons of following Jesus when there's no sunset and no audible voice of God. We can put that in terms of marriage. Marriage is not about speaking your vows for a moment at a ceremony. Marriage is about living out your vows for decades in the ordinary. Oh, somebody should tweet that. I worked really hard on that. Somebody, somebody share that later. This isn't even a relationship series, but that's a perfect example of your faith, of your life. Marriage is not about sharing your vows for a moment at a ceremony. Marriage is about living out those vows for decades, decades in the ordinary. Like Stephen Furtick would say it like this, if you resist the monotonous, you will miss the miraculous. The miracle, young adults, in your life, miracles are found in the mundane. That's how Jesus works. He, he fed a crowd of 5,000 people with a miraculous feast using a few mundane fish and loaves of bread. Movement happens in the mundane. Miracles happen in the monotonous. I read a book by Donald Miller called... A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, I recommend it. It's an awesome read, easy read, light read, just fills you up. It's all about living a good story and how every good story has an arc. Every story worth living has seasons, all right? And every story that you've ever loved involves a character who has walked through some kind of winter or who has been faithful in the famine or stuck it out in the storm or, st or stayed consistent in the ordinary. This is true. Anyways, Donald Miller, he got to a point in his life where he was just having like a quarter-life crisis or something like that, and he was tired of only experiencing good stories on Netflix. And so he, he started saying yes to stuff and found himself in one chapter canoeing across a giant lake in the middle of the night, all through the night. And he talks about the middle, the monotony of the middle and the thousands of rows and paddles in the middle, when you don't know that you're making progress, when you can no longer see the shores or the trees behind you, and you still can't see the shores or the trees in front of you, in the middle, in the mundane, in the winter. And he says this right here. This won't be up on the screen, but listen. I think this is when most people give up on their stories. They come out of college wanting to change the world, wanting to get married, wanting to have kids, and change the way people buy office supplies. But they get into the middle, into the winter, into the mundane, into the monotonous, into the routine and the ordinary and the everyday. And they discover it was harder than they thought. They can't see the distant shore anymore and they wonder if their paddling is moving them forward at all. None of the trees behind are getting smaller and none of the trees ahead are getting bigger. They take it out on their spouses and they go looking for an easier story. The movement, the miracle is in the mundane. It's in the middle. It's in the everyday. It's in the routine. Movement is in the mundane. And when you can't see progress that you're making, right? 
in winter, in life, in whatever, between, between the time period of when you get saved and you go home to glory, when you can't see that you're making progress, that's the moment that you're going to be more tempted than ever before to throw in the towel and call it quits and turn around and, and go home. But that's the moment more than ever before that you need to lean into God, right? At the end of a long winter when it's April and it's still freaking snowing and you're crying out to God, God, why have you forsaken me in this moment? It's not supposed supposed to do this in April. This winter has been so, so long. It's in that moment more than any other moment of your entire life that you need to lean into God because when your strength comes to an end, his strength begins. His promise still stands. I'm telling you, great is his faithfulness. His promise still stands. And I'll tell you this too, the race is not given to the gifted and to the talented. It's not. Life to the full is not reserved for those who were dealt the best hand in life. Abundant life, the race, those things are given to people, to sons and daughters of the king who are faithful to stay consistent in the mundane, in the ordinary, in the winter, who will say, I'll keep walking it out. I'll keep picking myself up because I promise you, he'll do it again. He'll bring you into another season. Pick yourself up and walk forward. The movement is in the mundane. The miracle is in the monotonous. And so at the end of the longest winter, just do it again. Praise him again. Step again. Paddle again. Wake up the next morning and expect him to move in your life again and then do it again the next day, right? Don't think about following Jesus for the next decade. Think about waking up tomorrow morning and following Jesus for the next 24 hours and then wake up the next morning and do it again and then wake up the next morning and sing and praise and worship him again. And once you've done that, do it again, right? Praise him in the prison again. Worship him in the winter again. Follow Jesus by faith through the fog, through the valley again. Find the miracle in the mundane, in the monotonous again. Do it again because he is faithful even when you are faithless. And his promise still stands. And he will meet you there every single time. He has never failed you. And he's not about to start now. He's just not. That's who our God is. That's who he is. And we're at the end of 2017, and I'm looking back on this year, and I see so many reasons to, to tangibly see that God is faithful. And I believe I'm going to get to the end of 2018, and I'm going to look on back on that year, and I'm going to say the exact same thing. Man, our God is faithful. And because of that, right now, where we are, we can look ahead to the coming year and say, God, you're able, because I know where I'm going to be at the end of that year. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to get to the end of 2018 telling the same old stories with the same old inside jokes struggling with the same old junk that I've been struggling with for the last five years because I'm still sitting in the middle of the valley because I refuse to get up and by faith follow Jesus out of that valley. I don't want to be here where I am now. I want to be different a year from now than I am here. It's in the waiting. Take courage. It's in the waiting. And so for anybody in this room who's ever, who's in a winter right now, this is for you. Take it with you. If you're not in a winter right now, this is for you. Take it with you because you will need it. Seasons of life change, but God doesn't. And whatever season comes your way, 
however long any of your winters for the rest of your life might be, Jesus' promise to you is that he will be with you every single step of the way. And some of your best memories, young adult, some of your best stories, some of your best views that you'll tell your grandkids about 50 years from now about your life are going to happen right smack in the middle of some of the hardest seasons of your life. There is beauty in the battle. There is a view in the valley. There is a wonderland in the winter. Do not miss it.